Welcome back to the Saturday show. We are live today at Stockton 12 Honda, our home away from home. Or I guess I should call it our home because we are here. True. This often. is our home. We love being here. And the Utah's Honda Giant right now, great deals going on. We've talked about them before. We'll talk about them again. But right now, you can get a 2019 Honda Accord for just $6 a day, a Civic for $5 a day, HRV for $6 a day, CRV for $8 a day, or the best deal of all, Adrian. Two brand new Hondas for just $12 a day. That's a steal. It's a steal. Absolutely. So come on down, check it out, guys. I'd love to talk to you guys. We've got plenty of jazz gear still. I went down and got an update on my car. These guys' service department is awesome, FYI. Yeah. They're just they're cruising. They're taking care of everybody's cars. Mine's here today getting taken care of, and they have been nothing but spectacular so yeah, far. Yeah, you had... They thought maybe it might take a little longer. Mm-hmm. They're busting that thing out. You're going to be done here pretty quick, so it's awesome. So go on by, check it out. Uh, of course, we're going to play an interview here. Frank Dolce, he is a big-time part of the Zone Sports Network, especially come football season, a former Utah quarterback, a guy who knows the Utes inside and out, spent years on the radio side of things for the Utes. We love having him on the station, Adrian. And oh, he's been such a good pickup yes. last year. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, so he spoke with Tony and Austin a lot about Utah football, the upcoming season. And you mentioned before the break, Austin had a little bit of a debate with him over Britton Covey's. And I think it's a good debate. It is a debate. Yeah. Britton Covey's place as Utah, in terms of where he fits, is one of Utah's best offensive players. So let's get to it. Here's Frank Dolce with Tony and Austin earlier this week. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Frank Dolce joins us. Who is leading the Utes in receiving yards this coming season? Britton Covey. Okay, and if that's the case, are you good enough to win the South? Absolutely. I don't believe in offense. You don't have to throw the ball downfield to be successful on the offensive side. Utah has a significant advantages in the way that they can run the football. I don't think Utah has to throw the ball downfield. You utilize the talent that you have available, and if they start double-teaming Britton Covey, what does that mean? Somebody else is not being double-teamed. Somebody else has single coverage, or somebody else is going to find themselves open, and that could come back onto the quarterback and offensive coordinator to find those, those weaknesses. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Uh, We'll have the full interview for you in just a second, but that was the question there. (laughs) And actually, we can talk about while Eric's pulling up the interview. Mm -hmm. Um, Austin asked him if if Britton Covey is, and he's a fantastic player, hopefully he comes back from his injury uh, feeling better injuries actually or injuries but <laughs> hopefully he gets back healthy and back to where he was if he's the leading receiver on the team is that a good does that mean it's a their offense is in a good place or a bad place um i think it's okay i think i think you can survive with him being the leading receiver but i think there's other options on this roster who could become the leading receiver for utah and that um, includes guys you look on that roster, Brian Thompson, the guy that comes to mind. Uh, we had they lost COC Mariner. We had COC Mariner last year, who's moving up to Utah State. So there's going to be an option for him to really step up and take that role. I don't think it's that bad of a deal. But let's actually get to the interview. Here's yep. Frank Dolce with Tony and Austin. Well, speaking of that, a guy who can do whatever <laughs> he wants to do, Frank Dolce joins us right here, ninety-seven five, twelve eighty, the zone. <laughs> the quarterback right here who joins us. What's going on, Frank? How you been? Yes, I'm fantastic. How are you guys? Doing great, man. Doing great. Yeah, I I can do whatever I want. I do whatever I want. <laughs> it has been proven. It's absolutely true. I mean, you are rich, so in, in comment and well, blessing. 
I don't know about rich, yeah, rich and blessing. Yes. Yeah, rich and blessing. Absolutely. Now, before we, why go, don't they take that guy's ownership? That why don't they take that guy's ownership? How I dare mean, you? How dare you, Frank? Why would you suggest well, such an awful, horrible punishment for a man who physically assaulted another player in the league? A team owner. I mean, doesn't don't we have to hold those guys an owner of a team? Don't they understand? Don't they have to be held to a higher standard? Apparently not. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you 100. percent I don't think I think he should have been written a check in the tunnel that night yeah. and said we never want to see you again. Here's your money. What an Get idiot. walking. Yeah, yeah. What I mean, what 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 if he would have done the right thing and jumped out of his chair and helped Lowry up and back onto the court and dusted him off and all of that and clapped and <laughs> and did the right thing? I mean, he would have trays up and down the mountainside, but. But instead, he decides to push a player as an as a part owner of a professional franchise. It just doesn't make any sense. No, tell him to go bleep himself like several times. Like, over and it's over. It's not just yeah. yeah. I mean, this was not. A, yeah. And it wasn't a reflex reaction. It's not like oh, he's coming at me and I put my hand out. No, you took a shot at him and then you stood there and you could have very well at least de-escalated it. You didn't. You acted like a, a complete idiot. Now all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean that was my thing with the NBA. I, I'm if you want to send the message, hey, zero tolerance. We're not going to put up with this. You can't do this. These players are not going to be treated like this. Great. Now that happens, yeah, right. you better be ready because no. Until you have right. a singular standard, you're just going to sit there and look. You're going to look foolish. And so, right now, I think it, they were put in the position where they're like, oh wait, we just set the level at lifetime ban. And now we really have to figure out what we're going to do at this moment. Anyway, it was, that was absolutely crazy. Uh, you excited Great. for uh, football coming up here in a couple of months? I mean, what um, as you kind of evaluate the Utes and think about that team overall, there's, there's all this hype and expectation. In a conference like the Pac-12, the deck starts to get in your favor where you're riding the wave up and some other teams are kind of not where they want to be. What are your thoughts kind of on Utah expectations and you know what they have to fulfill those? Well, expectations are high, and I think they should be high based on everything that's happening around the conference at, at the moment. So Utah has a lot of good people coming back, and they have good depth, and, and the quarterback who's been there for a few years and experience and what should be a really good running game and some guys coming back on the offensive line. I mean, they, and, and then the defensive line looks like they're about eight or nine deep at the, at the, at the defensive line. They're, the only real question mark is going to be the linebackers, I think, but lots of athleticism there. I like the defensive backfield. <laughs> the biggest question mark maybe on this football team is the, is the kicking position, which hasn't really been a question mark for several years. So that, that, that will be interesting. But, but relative to the conference, I mean, what, what is – I, I, USC's talented. I don't think that they, they've done enough that to get – Helton hasn't done enough to get all of the – everything he can out of that talent, and I don't think he's necessarily going to do that this year. And then the rumor popped up about Urban Meyer. I think that's kind of interesting with USC. I, I, I don't know what, what's going to happen with UCLA and Chip Kelly. I thought he was underwhelming his first year, and maybe that was to be expected, and, and he'll get things rolling this year. But they're kind of a question mark. I like Herm Edwards. I like what, what, what he did his first year. And I would like to see that guy succeed. So I'm going to say that Arizona State's going gonna, to gonna do a little something and make a little noise in the conference, and they're going to be uh, certainly a challenge. 
I don't know about Arizona. I don't know if Arizona is going to rise to the challenge. I just don't know that Colorado has enough talent around. So it's, the South looks as ripe as it's ever been for Utah to pick it off and then get themselves into a conference championship sort of game. And then, you you know, you have to go look at the North and what they're going to do. I never really count out Stanford. I think I like I like what Oregon's doing. I like the head coach up there. Oregon State, I <laughs> I don't know if they're going to figure it, figure it out this year. And and then uh, Washington should be good. Washington State always gives, you know, Utah trouble if they happen to find themselves in a couple matchups this year. So in terms of the conference, the North, I think, is, is, is the cream of the crop right now. The South is ripe for the taking. And so expectations should be high based on what Utah has coming back. And what about a specific – player in mind because uh on the one hand Tyler Huntley was playing really well uh, before he got hurt and everyone had wanted to see that the problem with that is now that's the basement to start the ceiling is how he was playing uh before he got hurt that's where I want him to start the season is that fair or is that uh, an unfair expectation that I have for him no that, that's yeah that's exactly where he should that's exactly where he should be I mean guys that guys in in the professional ranks who go out and play really well one year and then they don't capture that level the next year, those guys don't find themselves in long-term starting position. So, I mean, it shouldn't necessarily be any different at this level. I think what, what Utah has to have is two, two guys ready to go at the quarterback position. And, and it looks like with, with Huntley and with Shelley, they have that option. And I only say that because I'm, I, I'm concerned about Huntley staying healthy throughout a football team. He just hasn't demonstrated over his first two years, and so I don't know why we would expect that this year would be any different. I don't, I'm not sure that he's certainly going to come back and be 215 or 220 pounds this year. That's just not likely. And, and so the way that he plays and the aggressiveness with which he plays, I don't think that's going to change either. And, and so he's going to put himself in, in harm's way. And you're going to have to have a guy to step in, and and so the you know the the other huge positive for Utah is that they have a proven commodity in in the second position in Jason Shelley, and I don't think there's an enormous drop off in in those two positions. I think Huntley is more dynamic than Shelley, and maybe can make a few more plays than Shelley, but I don't think there's a huge drop off in terms of productivity with that position group when you go from Huntley to Shelley, and I think that's what. The big difference is for Utah this this year is that the quarterback position is solidified. Uh, an offensive coordinator who I think is going to be from the beginning more foundational in the run game, like they should have been for the last couple of years, and then utilizing Huntley's strengths, which is not necessarily throwing the ball downfield, but high percentage passes, and then design quarterback runs maybe five or six times a game, added to the times that he's going to scramble in a game. Maybe he gets up to nine or ten times, nine or ten runs per game. And I think that's the right formula. All right, the junior year of Brian Johnson statistically and the junior year of Tyler Huntley statistically have some similarity to it, you know, some some comparable numbers there. Um, in your eyes, why did it work well with Ludwig and Brian Johnson? And could something like that be duplicated in this 19 season, in this situation, or is it too different? I don't think it's too different. I think Huntley's more athletic than Brian Johnson, but Brian Johnson 
Um, I, I, it would be hard-pressed to say that somebody understood the game better than Brian Johnson, the way that he could read a defense, understand what was happening on the defensive side, put his offense in the right situation every time. And I think that was the magic of Brian Johnson. Now, the interesting thing about Brian Johnson is if you go back to his senior year, and it's hard to recapture this because it won't, the, the stats don't tell the story. But in the majority of those games, it felt like Utah went through three quarters of play and all of us were just scratching our heads like, what, is, what are the Utes doing? They just can't get out of their way, their own way. And it's Brian Johnson isn't playing well and, and he's, not on, he's not on target. He's not making the right reads. He's, he's, he's getting harassed. I mean, just everything seemed to be going wrong. And then this miraculous fourth quarter comeback and that seemed like it happened week in and week out with that <laughs> with that particular football team that went undefeated yep. and then beat Alabama and and by the way that that game that they played in against Alabama was a com- almost a completely different offensive philosophy than what they did throughout the year so Andy Ludwig changed it up in that final game they were trying to do their best to protect brian johnson and keep him healthy so so the zone read and the quarterback run game that really wasn't an option throughout much of that football season only when they got to the sugar bowl did brian johnson all of a sudden become the the brian johnson that we thought he was going to be in a lot of zone read and running the ball and keeping the defense off balance with his legs so it was an interesting mix of the way that they managed the football season and then and then ran it into the into the bowl game and so I really like Coach Ludwig's experience, and I like what he's done with his time after he left the University of Utah and his ability to, to maximize the talent that he has available. And I think you saw that, especially last year, what he did with Vanderbilt and, and getting that team into winning situations in games when maybe they shouldn't have really been in the game and manufacturing offense with the tools that he had available. And, and so I think he comes in here without an ego, with, with, with his only thought as, how can we be most productive on offense? What are the tools that I have to work with, and how can I maximize that talent? And with that in mind, I think he's going to be, you know, strongly based in the run game. And like, like I was saying earlier, utilizing Huntley where he, his talents really fit, kind of this high percentage passing game, moving around at the line of scrimmage, and then keeping a defense off balance five or six times a game in the run game. Frank, you've heard our incriminating audio uh, bit that we do here on the station, right, where we make a bet, and if we're wrong, we have to record incriminating audio. You've heard that, correct? <laughs> yes. yes. I don't, I don't I'm know. I'm scared about I'm, knowing where this I, is going. I, yeah, that, that's my concern. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that in mind, <laughs> if if you had to have incriminating audio on the line, who is leading the Utes in uh, 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 passing, or I'm sorry, in receiving yards this coming season? Who leads the Utes in receiving yards this Brit, season? Britton Covey. Okay, Britain and if Covey. that's the case, are you good enough to win the South? Absolutely. Because of the running game? Yeah, yeah. I, Man, I, I, see, so, I, I keep going back so, to the idea that really? Britton Covey can't be the number one wide receiver on a championship team. He can't. Well, to win the South this why, year? Why Why can't Edelman be the number one receiver on a championship yeah, team? Yeah, right. Well, he's Wait got Tom Brady. When, tell me when, tell me the last time Tom Brady threw a ball 40 yards downfield. 
and it wasn't to a tight end. Oh, okay, well, that just took well, it all well, right yeah, out. I was just about to say. <laughs> I was like, uh, he had the one to Gronk. might have been 32 yards. Yeah. So you heard it here. Frank Dolce says Tyler Huntley is Tom Brady. No. That's not- I, I said. <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks for joining us, Frank. I don't believe in offense, and I think the New England Patriots demonstrate this every year. You don't have to throw the ball downfield to be successful on the offensive side. Hell, you, the Patriots don't even have a really successful running game. I mean, it's ridiculous the way they manufacture offense. So Utah has, a, has significant advantages in the way that they can run the football, should be able to run the football, and they have incredible depth yeah. at the running back position. That's going to be difficult. How do you get a, a bunch of those guys' carries? And, and you're just not going to be able to get all those guys' carries. So that's another problem. But Utah doesn't have – I don't think Utah has to throw the ball downfield. I mean, this whole thing about keeping – keeping a defense spread out and loosening them up. Yeah, you want to take a shot and make sure you keep people honest, but that doesn't mean you have to throw the ball downfield ten times a game and complete half of those. I, I mean, I, I just – you utilize the, the talent that you have available, and if they start double-teaming Britton Covey, what does that mean? Somebody else is not being double-teamed. Somebody else has single coverage, or somebody else is going to find themselves open, and that could become back onto the quarterback and offensive coordinator to find those – those weaknesses. So, I think I think Britton Covey leading this the, the, the football team in reception yards and and having a few rushing yards as well. That that by that at by no means at all does that does that put Utah in a in a tenuous situation where they yeah. can't win a championship. If Britton Covey is leading the team in receptions and yardage, I think they're well on their way to a championship. Well, it's it's. I think the game of football has proven there are many different ways to get this done. Many different ways to get this done. I mean, the the, the St. Louis Rams showed that you can just chuck it down the field to Holt and Bruce all day. I think that, you know, yep. I mean, there's plenty of teams that have dinked and dunked their way to something like a Super Bowl. Um, there are teams that were run-oriented. Uh, we, we've seen it all in all the years. I don't know. Absolutely. I, I, and especially this year in the South, I think this year in the South, it's down to such a level that – I mean, there there are a variety of ways you could get it done. I mean, I, I don't see, uh, and it was a different discussion, I don't see a bounce-back year for the Pac-12. I want it to be, but I don't see this bounce-back uh, two legit playoff contending teams late in the season, you know, legitimate. I think maybe outside looking in, uh, but it's going to be a, you know, yeah, this is a year where I, I don't doubt that you could win the South and not even necessarily play even your best ball the whole time. So, hmm. Specific, yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. I'd like to see the Pac-12 have a bounce back. It's not this year. I think that you know, let, let, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw something out there that I think may, I don't know. We'll see how people react, but I think the commissioner and the Pac-12 should do everything in their power to go out and find a job for Urban Meyer at USC because USC needs to be relevant in the Pac-12. That's the, you know, I, hey, I love the University of Utah. I'm a University of Utah guy, but USC, the tradition, the ability to recruit, the championships, being in LA, when that team is good in the Pac 12, the level of the Pac 12 changes. And when they're not as good, it feels like the level of the Pac 12 also changes in a, in a bad way. So, yeah. If I'm the Pac 12, I'm saying, I'm trying to figure out a way to say, hey, Urban, take your year off and do your commentating, and when you're ready to go, 
the Coliseum is open, and <laughs> and it's your job. All right, man. Thank you, Frank. Always well love done. it, man. Frank, thanks so much. We're out of time. we got to run. But uh, we'll be in touch again, and we'll continue this conversation. But uh, always appreciate a few minutes, man. Thanks. Absolutely, of course. Love talking with you guys. Talk always, to you soon. man. There you go, Frank Dolce for uh, talking University of Utah football. Jake, I've noticed you have your magazine here open mm-hmm. to the Utah Utes. Yeah, so this is the Athlon preview. I'm still waiting on my Phil Still one. These are the two I read each year. I read them cover to cover yeah. every year, get ready for the season. And there's some interesting stuff. And I actually, that d- debate about the whole thing, can you succeed with Britton Covey being your lead receiver? And by, I think the premise of it is that you're not stretching the field necessarily. Exactly. I don't want to put words in Austin's mouth, but I believe but that's where his premise is. Britton Covey can absolutely stretch the field. I he catches, he's a slot guy. Brian Thompson is a guy to keep an eye on. Jalen Dixon proved last year he can stretch the field. He's not the biggest guy, but he's got speed to burn. And Hans said earlier in the week that, what's it, is it Chris? You're talking about Solomon Enos? No, no. There's a new receiver who was a redshirt last year. Brian Thompson. No, uh, no, something else. You sure? Yeah, but uh, he was he's on the 1660 as well. And uh, it's a wide receiver. I have to look it up. No, I I have to, I want to text Hans. There's Damari Simkin, Solomon Enos, Samson Nakua, Brian Thompson, Britton Covey, Jalen Dixon. Those are the six guys that I would really be counting on. I'm of the mind, Adrian. Let me look it up because Hans said he believes this guy is going to be – he's a new name and he's okay. going to lead the Utes in – uh, You want who I think is going to lead the Utes is Solomon Enos. I think he is – I think he is poised to break out this year. I really like what he has done. He's got the bloodlines, of course, his father being a former collegiate and NFL player. I really feel like he could be a big-time player for the Utes. I like that wide receiving core. My question for the Utes is along that offensive line, though. Mm. They've got to rebuild that offensive line, and I know they've brought in a couple of graduate transfers to help kind of bolster the depth there. But they have a lot to prove in fall camp there, especially along the offensive line. Because if you can't give Tyler Huntley um, a chance to throw the ball, not going to do much for you. Yeah, I wonder um, – because they're going to be relying heavily on Zach Moss, obviously, and the deep running backs. So what does Huntley necessarily have to do in the throw game to be successful? Is it finding Britton Covey on seven, eight-yard routes, maybe hitting a couple deep shots? Maybe you catch it, maybe you don't. Be keep things spread out a little bit, and you just run the ball down people's throat. That would be a positive. Are you talking, are you talking tight end? Maybe Cole Fotheringham. No, I, I'll find it. Okay, I'm just wondering who you're talking about because I'm very intrigued about who Hans believes is going to be a breakout I can't guy. Get this thing, but before. it'll be interesting. This is a big year for Utah. I, they're very. They should be the favorites in the South by a large margin. Uh, Athlon has them as number 13 in their preseason predictions. They're projecting with a 10-3 and record, a 7-2 and record in Pac-12 play. I think that would be a good season. I think if you go in double-digit wins, I think it would be a good showing for Utah. We'll see how it all plays out, but there are a lot of pieces there for the Utes. I'm just worried that, about that offensive line. They've got a lot of questions to answer there along. Well, that's and that. that's, a, that's the one thing. I We had Hans on a little bit ago, mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said the same thing, that the offensive line – not sure. He's not sure. And uh, we heard Hans sat down with uh, Kyle Whittingham. Mm-hmm. And one one. He's, the one thing he pointed out is, oh, we still have a couple offensive line things that we need to shore up. They do. So we'll see what happens. So we'll see. Uh, coming up on the other side, a little more on college football as well as the NBA news. Some news coming out as well. That's all coming up here on the Saturday Show.
Welcome back to Saturday show here at Stockton 12 Honda, 97.5, of The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I'm Adrian Lizer here with Jake Hatch. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at EP Lizer. He is at Jacob C. Hatch. Uh, and uh, we've, of course, Eric back in the studio and Nate down here uh, teching things for us. And uh, come by and see us. We've still got some shirts, some candy, some high chews. Uh, having a lot of fun down here at Stockton 12 Honda. Really easy to find. We'll tell you more about what deals they have going out. Uh, we've had a bunch of listeners stop by. Big shout-out to McKay, who came by just a mm-hmm. second ago. And, uh, yeah, it's been a fun day. We love when we have our listeners stop by. It's yes. a blast. I, it's cool to meet people out in the community who listen to this show because, let's be real, Adrian, we are living the dream. We get to wake up every day and talk about sports. Yes, there are worse things. <laughs> there, are very, there are very many things that are worse yes. than that. Uh, so, yes, very obviously very grateful and grateful for everyone who listens and comes by and says hi. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of other things here at The Zone. Jake, of course, produces. You can hear him on with DJ and PK every morning, 6 to 10. I'm with Tony and Austin from 10 to noon. We also do jazz games, and mm-hmm. Jake does a zillion podcasts, and he writes for The Zone Sports Net, uh, website. Mm-hmm. And a recent column that you had, Jake, on the Hatch of Knowledge, your articles you write on the website, the mm-hmm. Hatch of Knowledge, a great name, by the way, um, you talked about local college basketball and what it would take for the local scene to come back to prominence. We talked last week about some of the big names coming back. Mm-hmm. He was Ketta, Jarek Harding, um, Yoli Childs, and at the at that time, uh, Donnie, Tillman. Donnie Tillman was coming back for the yeah. Utes, but some news broke on Friday morning that uh, he would be stepping away from the team and would not be on the team next week. Uh, so obviously that affects your article a little bit. Mm-hmm. But talk a little bit about what you wrote for the website. So part of it was there's a lot of college football fans here in this state that would like to see college football regain some of the popularity it once had. Basketball. They, oh, sorry. Basketball, excuse yes. me. They, they feel like this state used to be run by this sport and they want it to get back to that level. It's never going to get back to that level. Let's get that out of the way right now. Football has taken over, and it's not letting go anytime soon. No. But I do think with the news, yeah, of Nemius Ket, uh, Yoli Childs, Jarek Harding, and like you said, Donnie Tillman, uh, he's now going to be taking a leave of absence. So that affects Utah. But having these guys come back for another year in college football means that there's – Basketball. Be, uh, man, I'm struggling here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have switched to football mode. You are already apparently. in football mode. Then. But they, they've, they've, they're coming back, and the expectation is, I think for three or four of these programs, it's NCAA tournament or bust. And there's been a big drought of late. Uh, Utah State ended a seven-year a drought of their own by making the tournament a year ago. Utah is on a three-year drought. BYU on a four-year drought. I believe uh, Weber also on a three-year drought of their own. So I think all of these programs, with the talent coming back, the expectation should be, yeah, we need to gun for the NCAA tournament and strike while the iron is hot. Okay, how many of those teams is realistic? I think it's realistic for Utah State, absolutely. They're going to be the favorite yes, in the Mountain West I would Conference. agree that they are realistic. Like, I believe they should mm-hmm. make the tournament. If they don't, it would be a uh, missed opportunity. Weber has an opportunity with Montana retooling a bit. They, of course, picked up uh, BYU graduate transfer just year, Hardnet, among others, to kind of replace that team. That Weber, uh, I guess, always has a chance because only one team goes. Yeah. So really, the, the regular season, it's, it's hard to judge because yeah. um, it comes down to one weekend. Yeah, having having Jarek Harding, Jarek Harding come back with Cody John gives you a good inside out so I duel 
in duo in, in terms of scoring for the Wildcats. But I really feel like BYU this year, Adrian, it's got to be the NCAA tournament because you bring Yoli Childs back. You now add Jake Toulson to that roster, who is the reigning WAC player of the year. You have gone from one of the younger teams in BYU basketball history to having a senior-laden squad. There are six or seven seniors on this team that could be in the rotation this year. And traditionally in college basketball, if you have a senior-laden team, you usually benefit from that and you can make a run at it. I understand that Gonzaga is the big dog in the West Coast Conference, and they always will be. But I think the West Coast Conference this year could be a two- or three-bid league because St. Mary's is expected to be very good as well. Yeah, they're expected to be really good. So you could have uh, why, why is this year different than last year? For BYU? Yes. Is it just Toulson makes them – why – and this is – I, I guess I can be critical because critical, you lost by a million points in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Why is this year different? Then why would I come into this year thinking they're not going to drop those games and all of a sudden be an NCAA tournament team just because a guy came back or just because they landed a transfer, or just because they got a coach. Why? Well, you tell me There's, why. There, that's a valid argument that I don't have a concrete answer for, because like you're, what you're saying is exactly true. There's a they lot lost of guys, by 40. That, well, they were down by 40. They didn't okay. lose by 40. Well, they essentially lost yes. by 40. They got absolutely smoked by San Diego and in that what West Coast every, Conference. Everyone who was there yeah. at that game, and people like you who covered the Cougars mm-hmm. for a long time, said that was the almost the lowest moment. One of the lowest points in BYU basketball. It was down was there. That yeah, they they bottomed out a little bit there. I I am hopeful, and I think every BYU fan is hopeful that Mark Pope is bringing a new energy to this, and that's what helps change the culture. Okay. Because Dave Rose, I think he was he was he was run, coming up on the end, plain and simple. He was he was running down in energy, and I think he felt like okay, it's time to make a change. BYU wanted to make a change. They decided okay, let's let's do it now. Mark Pope comes in, and he has been relentless. Bringing Yoli Childs back, if you have him and a, a reigning conference player of the year in Jake Toulson, who is being recruited by the, the likes of Duke, Arizona, he had big-time programs. And I can speak to that because I know the people who were talking to him, and he was had those offers. He turned them down to go back to Provo, where he had originally signed with, mm-hmm. with BYU. I don't have anything that can say, yeah, this is going to be different until we see it on the court, Adrian. But I am hopeful that Mark Pope's energy, his staff's enthusiasm for their jobs, et cetera, can result in BYU having a a different look this year. Yeah, with basketball, it's just hard because I have a hard time just thinking, oh, the switch is going to be completely flipped. Now, we'll see. An example, you go up to Utah State, and they were picked to be terrible. I think it was the ninth last year. And. You know, this may be something that you can point to BYU and mm-hmm. say, and they got a new coach, mm-hmm. brought in a new energy, because Craig Smith has as much energy as anybody. Yes, and, he does. And uh, he was able to bring a new system, got a couple guys in that program, was able to utilize a guy like Sam Merrill, mm-hmm. and they got their way into the tournament. They so did. to your to that point, maybe that's what BYU has to look forward to. They, they, they probably would have to that be kind of be their rallying cry that, yeah, we have it's a new energy, it's a new spirit, it's a new beginning in a way, but – how much better is the rest of the league going to be this year, the WCC? I think it's it's coming along. Like San Diego should be pretty good again. They weren't. They were okay a year ago. They were injured a lot, right? Though. And that's what I'm. Uh, yeah. I know Steve Cleveland, who comes on with you guys mm-hmm. all the time, was talking about. Man, if those guys were healthy, this yes, San Diego would squad be. would have been really good. They would so, have been. So um, other teams, Pacific now, probably Pacific. Not. David Stoudemire is doing an he's interesting doing a good thing. Job, yeah. He's done a decent job. Portland's still going to be down. Mm-hmm. Terry Porter hasn't gotten that. San going Francisco. There. San Francisco is a little bit of a retooling. Frankie Ferrari is graduated. Yep. Who's actually a great player for I them. Think he was in town. Kyle Smith this morning. Kyle, wasn't he? Yeah, he was working out for the Jazz today. Yeah. Actually. Uh, 
as I mentioned it. Frank, uh, Kyle Smith, the head coach of San Francisco, went to Washington State. He upgraded. Right. Okay. So we'll see what happens with San Francisco. San Francisco, the WCC will be improved. The top dogs at the top are expected to be top 25 caliber, speaking of Gonzaga. Well, top 10, top 5 caliber for Gonzaga and a top 25 team in St. Mary's. But with the current state of college basketball in the Western United States, the Pac-12 was down a year ago. They've been down for some time. The Mountain West hasn't been as dominant as it once was. We all know that the WAC and the Big Sky are more than likely one big league on any given year. So that gives an opportunity if you're BYU in the West Coast Conference to think, guess what, if we can capitalize, we could maybe get as many as three bids out of this league this coming year. And that's what's got to be BYU's thinking is if, Three we, bits, yeah. if we go out and take care of business, we win the games that we're supposed to. We don't have this lull that seemed to infect BYU's program over the last four or five years where they would go out and lose to teams like a Pacific when they were down or a San Francisco when they weren't as good. You can't have that. You take care of business against the teams you need to take care of business against, and you pull off a couple of upsets against some of these blue bloods you're going to face this year, BYU could find themselves very much in the mix. Yeah, I know we're theorizing here, but I just think of the the change in what college basketball, at least how they're picking the tournament. We saw last year a lot of teams that maybe shouldn't have gotten in got in. But But as far as from P5, as I would compare them to teams in smaller conferences that probably could have had a better shot. If you're BYU, if you take third in the WCC, but you don't have any wins against Gonzaga or St. Mary's, is that good enough to get you in? It has to be a three big. Well, league. Is you're going to be going to BYU's going to be going to Maui. They're going right. to play some of the big teams at the Maui Invitational. They've got, got to home, win something down. They've there. got a home game against Houston, who's supposed to be one of the best out of the AAC this coming season. Once again, you take care of business against four or five teams like that. I don't. I'm not expecting you to go out and sweep Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Right. If you were able to earn splits with those two teams, let's say you win both of your games at home, you lose both of them on the road. You're very much going to be in the mix because you've got to be thinking your chance is that the Pac-12 is down. It's one of the Power 5 or the Power 6 teams in college basketball. In the Western United States, they want to keep things geographically oriented because they have the East, South, and West regions. Nor East, North, South, and West regions. You want to make sure that you take care of business and then you take advantage of the Pac-12 still being down. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so you still a yeah. bit or two from them. Right. So BYU needs... Take care of business. Hope that the Pac-12 doesn't rise up. I don't think, and everything I've seen about the Pac-12 doesn't. They're gonna, they'll bounce back in some form or fashion. It'll be some team that steps up. Yeah, but it's not going to be just next year. All of a sudden, the Pac-12 is back to being a dominant college basketball uh, conference overall because that's just not how it looks. Their recruiting has been down in in hoops for Pac-12 teams. It's just an opportunity here. I think the West Coast Conference has got to be looking at that, saying we have an opportunity here to, re- to opportunity here to really strike it. And if we can pick up two or three bids and prove that we belong, that means the uh, committee is going to look at you guys the next year and say, "Okay, we'll give you a little more of the benefit of the doubt." Yeah, definitely, I agree. It's going to be interesting. I'm college basketball is not. I just don't find it. Well, no, I don't find the product very good, and so and the, it has something has to happen where the, the rule these changes. teams are good yeah. that make it so I will turn back on to watch outside of for work purposes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, they just went uh, rule changes wise. They have extended the three point line another foot or so. I actually don't mind that. I think it's a horrible idea. Why? Because nobody in college basketball can make a shot anyway. Why are we moving it back? They can't make threes now. But I think it opens the floor up. That doesn't. Okay, sure, but it they. 
I don't want to watch them clank threes from farther away. I think it's going to encourage teams to pl- to play a little more free because the college basketball. What the biggest thing has been is the is the archaic defensive styles that they play. Well, yeah, that's that's a rule change that has. To, I think you need to get rid of. I didn't think you need – I'm with Jake Scott. Add illegal defense, and that'll open things. Add three in the okay. key. That would help, yeah. But moving the three back, to me, is just like – I'm watching – I don't think three-point shooting's been that bad it's in college been basketball. It's awful. No one in college can shoot. There's a, there are guys that can shoot. One guy, and he played for uh, – where did he play? Wofford. Wofford, yeah. And he went like over 10 And then in the, turn off, <laughs> or the tournament, when it mattered the most, he I know. forgot how to do it. So I'm hopeful that – I don't know. I, that- I think it's a bad idea because I don't think – I think the product in college basketball, and maybe I has to do the one and duns, get more players who play longer in college, so maybe they start hitting That's shots. That's coming. But, I mean, okay, so maybe we'll see some more uh, 15-foot jumpers instead of 19-foot threes, but I, I, I don't think it's a great I don't, idea. I don't think college basketball's product is as bad as people make it out to be, but it can definitely be improved. And I'm hopeful. I'm not expecting uh, college basketball to come back in a big way immediately this fall, as I said in my, in my column. You can go to 1280thezone.com and read it. But if these teams start winning, Adrian, fans are going to start flocking to these games. And it's a big opportunity this year for these various schools, speaking of Weber State, uh, BYU, Utah with the Donnie Tillman taking a leave of absence, that hurts them a lot in my mind. Maybe they're not as good as we expect they could be with him on the court this coming year. But it's an opportunity here, I think, for local programs in particular to regain some popularity. All you got to do, is though, is take, take care of business on your part and go out and win games. Yep, I totally agree with you. Um, coming up on the other side, it's time for five minutes of soccer with Jake Hatch Woo-hoo! and myself. I'm getting in on this one okay. with Talon being gone. Uh, talents on vacation so that we'll get to that coming up next we'll also let you hear from former Ute and nfl star star lotu lele as mm-hmm. he uh, was on with tj and pk so we'll get to that that's all coming up here on the saturday show welcome back saturday show and saturday day nights all right for fighting as sir you movie, by the say. way what? Have you seen the movie I've yet? I've not Rocket seen Rocket Man? Man yet. I want to go see it. I do as well. I heard it's uh, a sad film, but uh, more accurate than other other biopics. Other biopics yes. Okay. So, uh, but don't forget, catch the movie zone. Uh, we, we're talking Dark Phoenix and Secret Life of Pets 2. Okay. Both of which I saw last week, and we're talking that on the station this week. Sorry again, I couldn't get you into the Avengers. That's ah, okay. What did you see, like six times? Something like that? <laughs> I've seen it three times now. So good. Twice? No, three times. Three times, yeah. It's, man, I, that movie, man. Yeah. But anyway, it's time for five minutes of soccer with yeah. Jay Catch. He does like seven podcasts on the Zone website about soccer. But <laughs> two of them are DJ and Yak Soccer Talk and also Salt City FC. Yep. Uh, before we get into what RSL's got going on, I want to talk about this thing that I'm paying attention to, and that's the Women's World Cup in France. Yeah. Uh, France kicked off yesterday with a big victory over South Korea. Uh, today, Norway defeated Nigeria 3-0. Germany gets by China with a goal in the 66th minute, 1-0, and Spain beat South Africa 3-1. Exciting time. I love, I love international sports. That's why I'm obsessed with the Olympics. Some people say they don't care. I watch as much as from ribbon twirling to whatever because I love watching people represent whatever country they are from and uh, playing for that uniform. And hence why I love watching the U.S. 
uh, dominate in the Women's World Cup. So excited to watch their game. I think they play Tuesday mm-hmm. as the favorites. Couple local, four locals, right? Six, on, actually. Six locals on the U.S. squad. Oh, sorry. No, you're talking Utah Royals? Yes. Yeah, Utah so Royals. There, there are four – no, three from the Royals on the U.S. United States team. Oh, okay. There's six total from the Royals playing in the World Cup. Very cool. So six total from mm-hmm. right here in Salt Lake City playing on the World Cup stage, uh, which all of those women's success, uh, also, especially the local ones, I want to cheer for them. But USA, who do they take on first, Jake? Do you know off the top um, of your head? I'm pulling it right now. I believe it's Thailand, but I wanted to double-check that. Uh, six sixteen. Where is the first game for the United States? Oh, there we go. United States, yep, Thailand, Thailand, Tuesday yep. at 1 p.m., it's a big opportunity here. Thailand is actually uh, coming into this term. I believe it's their, either their first or their second appearance ever. So this should be a, the United States should be able to get off to a good start here and win. They are one of the heavy favorites in this tournament. But we all know that the World Cup, it causes people to either step up and play above their ability. And there's mm-hmm. also the players it gets to them. And it causes them to almost just. The messes of the world. A little bit, yeah. yeah. A little bit of a yeah, messy. Because that's the one thing that on his resume that's lacking is. Any success Any in the Any success World Cup? in the yep. World Cup. Well, I guess overall success because right, yeah. he's, he's been to the World Cup multiple times, but Argentina's done nothing. Exactly. With one of the best players, maybe the best player of, of his generation. A couple really good players on that team. Yeah. But anyway, so, uh, Tuesday on the 11th, mm-hmm. United States takes on Thailand, so it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, so the win probability right now, United States 92%. So this is a big opportunity for them to get off to a good start. The Women's World Cup is very intriguing to me, Adrian, because it has a different dichotomy of who the best teams in the world are. I'm not speaking just about the United States. We're talking about, uh, there's of course, you'll have your European giants. Germany is one of the pre-tournament favorites. But teams like Japan have won the tournament. They upset the United States, whatever. Was it the second, was that the 2012? 11 World Cup that they upset the United States? I believe so. And then four years later, the uh, U.S. won their first one since the 90s. The 99ers, yeah. So this is a big opportunity for the United States. The Women's World Cup should get as much attention as we give the men's side of things, if not more in my mind. Because they're better. (laughs) The United States actually competes on a global stage. In this tournament. Yes, exactly. So uh, that's exciting. I always like watching that. Uh, also, what's going on in the world of RSL? So right? RSL had the weekend off. They're actually going to be back in action Tuesday night. The Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup begins, I guess, for RSL. They play LAFC in that game. It will be an 8 o'clock uh, first kick at Rio Tinto Stadium. I am interested to see how RSL lines up in this because LAFC, there's some debate if they're going to send a full-strength uh, squad, and I also wonder if RSL will fill the full-strength side in their own right. But Corey Baird did not make the Gold Cup roster, so RSL should have pretty much everybody at their disposal in this if they choose to pursue this uh, tournament. It's kind of a it's a cup format that's inside of the MLS season, so you have to kind of be smart with your roster, but... We'll see how RSL decides to attack this. I'm interested to see. But Tuesday night, they're back in action, and then they're off until the 22nd when MLS action resumes for them. That's a long break. They took the break for the Gold Cup, which opens up, I believe, next week. Uh, No wonder the seasons are so long if you're just taking months off. They shortened it by a full month. Come on now. But then they still take a month off in the middle of the every two weeks. But they do it in every league in the world. When the World Cup comes around, you take that break. Yeah. It's interesting. And the funny thing is, Adrian, did you know that World Cup qualifying for Qatar uh, 2022 has already begun in Asia? Go Mongolia. They won their first round matchup against, I think it was Brunei. All right. So Mongolia with, I the, know. with the big win. 
It's kind of funny. We're three years out from this tournament, and qualifying has already begun. Well, yeah, and hopefully the U.S. doesn't stub their toe this time. Yeah, you would hope. But you they, would hope. They stubbed their toe the other night against Jamaica and lost one nothing. Yep. So, all right. Well, that's uh, five minutes of soccer. Yep. Women's World Cup and RSL back in action on Tuesday before they take a couple of weeks off for the U.S. Open Gold Cup. Did I get that right? Uh, yep. All okay. right. Well, coming up on the other side, we'll let you hear from Star Lotu Layla. That's all coming up here on the Saturday Show.